So while there's been you know, a recent agreement of sorts between the PCAOB and Chinese regulators, there are still other geopolitical issues like foreign ownership of sensitive technology or data, which may cause a continued increase in take private deals. Welcome to the Brattle Exchange, where we explore critical economic, financial, and accounting topics with Brattle experts and influential voices from industry and academia. It's hosted by the Brattle Group, a global consulting firm that tackles complex economic, financial, and regulatory questions for corporations, law firms, and governments around the world. Hi, my name is George Shecky, and I'm a principal in the securities practice here at the Brattle Group. I'm joined today by my colleague, Tim McAnally, who is also a principal in the securities practice and is the head of Brattle's M&A litigation practice. Today, Tim and I will be discussing appraisal rights with a particular focus on appraisal rights in the Cayman Islands, where Tim has a fair amount of experience. Generally speaking, Tim, what are appraisal rights? Sure. And thanks for having me here, George. An appraisal right is a legal statute in certain jurisdictions that allows a shareholder the right to dissent from a merger and ask a court to determine the value of the dissenter shares. Two jurisdictions that have appraisal rights are Delaware, where a majority of U.S. companies are incorporated, and the Cayman Islands, where a large number of foreign companies that are listed on U.S. exchanges are incorporated. If the trier of fact, so a judge, uh, typically determines the value of dissenter shares exceeds the merger consideration, then the company is required to pay that higher figure, uh, less any payments made to the dissenting shareholders in the interim, together with a fair rate of interest. So given that simplistic explanation, these appraisal cases are primarily concerned with one thing. What is the fair value of dissenter shares? What is fair value? How is that term defined? Yeah, so fair value is a legal or statutory term. The Delaware and Cayman Island statutes do not really define the term, but instead provide some guideposts. For example, Delaware says that the measure of fair value should be exclusive of any element of value arising from the accomplishment of the merger. And second, the court should take into account all relevant factors. The Cayman Islands statute also provides similar guideposts. Case law in Delaware and the Cayman Islands has provided more guidance or clarity of this term and said that fair value is you know, the intrinsic standalone value of the company, you know, valued as a going concern, taking into account all relevant factors. The important thing to highlight here is that the court determines the standalone value of the firm, which means that the court excludes any enhancement or reduction in value arising from the merger itself. It's also important to keep in mind that fair value is, again, judicial, and therefore is not equivalent to the economic concept of fair market value. And the closest economic concept we have here is intrinsic value. Some other things to note is that each side really has the burden of proving their respective valuation position. You know, there is no alleged wrongdoing like a breach of fiduciary duty matter where one side has a burden. And then the courts have also stressed that, you know, one argument that carries the day in a particular case may not carry the day in another case going forward. I'm familiar with more the Delaware side, although I am working currently on my first Cayman appraisal matter. But given your experience, can you talk a little bit about the kind of fairly recent growth of appraisal litigation in the Cayman Islands? Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, you know, the appraisal landscape in the Cayman Islands is growing uh, in part because it's much newer than Delaware, as it's really only been around for a decade. Whereas, you know, the Delaware appraisal statutes, you know, there are seminal cases back all the way to the 1950s. The growth has coincided with a growth in privatizations of Cayman Incorporated 
but Chinese-based companies delisting from U.S. exchanges like the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. It's really peaked around 2016, but again, has been picking up over the last few years. And these Chinese companies have gone private for various reasons, including regulatory issues, um, sometimes high compliance costs with being listed on a U.S. exchange, or sometimes the view that a company is receiving an unfavorable valuation from U.S. equity markets. Recently, the uptick has mainly been due to the impact of COVID and geopolitical issues between the United States and China. And in particular, the potential impact of the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act, which was signed into law in December 2020. Um, so while there's been you know, a recent agreement of sorts between the PCAOB and Chinese regulators regarding that act, there are still other geopolitical issues like foreign ownership of sensitive technology or data, which may cause a continued increase in take private deals. This increase in the number of take private deals in the Cayman Islands has in turn impacted appraisal litigation, right? You can't have an appraisal if you don't first have a deal. So over the past 10 years, there's probably been 30 actions filed. 10 have gone to trial. Some have settled during trial or after trial. So there's been six judgments. There's one pending and there's one currently on appeal. And just to put those 10 trials in perspective, three of them occurred last year. So a follow-up question there. In the matter I'm working on, part of the buying group is a controlling shareholder. Would you say that that's fairly typical in the trials that have come in the Caymans? Yes, I believe that is. That's consistent with some of the cases that I've worked on where there is a controlling shareholder who is part of the buyer group. And I think that's typical, I think, of many of these companies and how they're structured. Can you talk a little bit about dissenters? Who are these dissenters? Yeah, so it primarily comes down to two groups of dissenters. Typically, though, you know, they are in large part sophisticated investors and hedge funds you know, some of the largest hedge funds in the world. Um, so they're either merger arbitrage investors or sometimes they're long-term investors. So I'm familiar with the term just from doing this, but can you just kind of distinguish between what is a merger arbitrage investor versus say a long-term investor? Long-term investors typically hold the shares before the deal is announced and the merger arbitrage investors typically buy shares in the company once the deal is announced and are specifically looking to dissent from the merger and seek appraisal. Why are they dissenting? So at its core, you know, I think dissenters believe the fair value of the company is more than a merger consideration. But there are some characteristics of the Cayman courts or the Cayman system that may help dissenters, you know, achieve a higher value during the judicial process. So first, you know, the appraisal case law is still in its infancy. So the appraisal landscape is a bit unsettled, unlike Delaware, which, you know, over the past couple of years has really solidified its view on appraisals. The fair value judgments in the trials have provided the centers with sometimes pretty significant returns. For example, in the Shanda Games appraisal, the judge, you know, determined fair value was 80% above the merger consideration. And that's the fair value after the appeal, you know, the original trial court determined fair value, you know, much higher than that. There are some risks, you know, on the other hand, there's only been one judgment, the FGL appraisal, where the court determined fair value equal to the merger price. All other cases, judges have awarded fair value above the merger consideration. The process is also attractive to the merger arbitrage investors as the centers are guaranteed an interim payment in the court process, which means, you know, their investor funds are not tied up through the entire process. And lastly, the Cayman Islands has a loser pay process whereby the losing side pays the winning side's legal costs or some portion of the legal costs, sometimes some portion of the expert costs, even discovery costs. 
So there is an attractive economic framework for um, these cases. And how have you know, experts typically approached the determination of fair value in these Cayman appraisal matters? Yeah, so the cases are typically, you know, a battle of the experts, similar to Delaware. You know, the experts issue opening joint, which is, I think, a unique characteristic to the Cayman process, and rebuttal reports. Each of these reports typically run over 100 pages, and then they're cross-examined for three to five days at trial. So during that time, these experts typically focus on three questions. Can the trading price or an adjusted trading price be a reliable indicator of fair value? Can the merger price be a reliable indicator of fair value? And then can the expert perform an independent valuation that can be a reliable indicator of fair value? The process is similar to, you know, what the Delaware courts have used as guidance. Cases have typically resulted in substantial premiums to the merger price, unlike Delaware cases recently. So as you alluded to, you know, the, in Delaware, they've kind of solidified their approach. And I think it's fair to say the approach is more focused on market evidence more recently, whereas before it used to be, you know, informed by a DCF or some other approaches. Given kind of this landscape that you've laid out of the three kind of questions that need to be answered, does the court typically pick one avenue as sort of the basis for relying on for an award of fair value, or can they use multiple methods and um, weightings? So typically what we've seen is that the courts have used some weighting system where they'll apply a percent to a merger price, for example, or a trading price, and then also weight a DCF. I think there's only been one case where the court relied exclusively on one method, and that was the FGL appraisal case, which I worked on where the court determined that fair value was the merger consideration. So in a sense, the court placed exclusive weight on that metric. One follow-up there, because you mentioned something in passing that was new to me, and that's, you know, we typically have opening reports and appraisal cases and rebuttal reports, but you said a joint report. Can you just talk quickly about what a joint report is in the Caymans? Yeah, so a joint report is issued after the experts have submitted their opening report. So it's a report in between opening and rebuttal. The point of the joint report is to lay out for the court areas where experts agree and areas where experts disagree. And it's sort of done by topic and the experts and their teams get together and they co-sign these reports. And it's really a helpful tool for the judge and the lawyers or the barristers who ultimately will be cross-examining the witnesses just to get a set, a lay of the land of where they agree and where they disagree, you know, after the opening reports. And have you been in one of those meetings where both teams have gathered? I have. I have. What is the uh, temperature like in that room? Is uh, it- cordial, you know, because I realize that they sort of, I feel, want to get on with the process and are respectful of people's time. And, you know, so it's been cordial. All right. Well, that's a good high-level overview of the Cayman appraisal process, and I appreciate your time today, Tim. Thanks, George. It was great talking with you. You as well.